Hi, I'm Haley, author of the book blog, Brook and Binding. I'm Maddie, upcoming debut author, and this is Lit Sis. Hi, Merry Almost Christmas. It's Maddie. And Haley. Haley is doing her laundry. So she is bouncing over to the mic when she can. Um, so we're, uh, what is it, four days away from Christmas now? Um, I don't know about you guys, but my absolute favorite gift to get for Christmas or my birthday or anything like that is, you guessed it, books. But that is not normal. We know that a lot of people don't like getting books or they would never think to put books on their list but that is just what our lives have come to it's honestly like we make an entire list of just books that we want for christmas and then we make a separate non-book christmas list that's what we titled the christmas lists um and although this might sound kind of like like we're very like wanting like that we're like oh in the christmas spirit we just want these books but really it's I mean, it's just, I give a, I give a good list of uh, 50 books so that my parents can choose from any of them that they want to give me, um, and I will be happy. So it's still a surprise, but you still get some good books. And I don't know about you, but like, I always want to know, like, what even makes a book good? Like, how do I know if I'm going to get a good book? Um, and so the last episode, we talked about the best books of 2018, um, and that was, that was really fun, but we had... Just we'd already read those books and we knew that they were good, but I mean, how what what actually makes a book good? And how are you gonna know in the future, or like when you put a list on your book on your list, if it's gonna actually be good or not? Like, is there is there is there like a method to this madness of best books? Who knows? Well, Maddie thinks she knows. So I, I have a theory. So that's what we're gonna talk about today: is what makes a good book regardless of if you've read it or not. So before we get into Maddie's theory. It's a good theory, just saying. Uh, okay. I came upon a walk the other day. Well, before we get into that, I thought maybe I would just share really quick, or Mad can also share too, what I think makes a good book. And, you know, before we get into like how to, I guess, predict if a book is going to be good or not, uh, I want to look back at some of the books that we've read, not just this year, but just books in general that stand out to us like and why really they stand, stand out, out and what it is about them that we enjoyed. So for me, one of the top books that I think of is Song of Solomon by Toni Morrison. Oh, I love we that book. We read that book in AP literature class. Shout out to Mrs. Rapert. Um, <laughs> that... It, it was one of those classes, or like what I talked about in the last podcast about Cersei, where it was like class a classical piece of literature that just captures a, a has an essence, and it's just so well written. And there's just so many things about it, but but what I, yeah. makes it amazing, I think, is three three elements, which I think I could say this for lots of different books: good character good plot and good writing you honestly you need to have a really good balance of all of those to be a really good book and 
I'll, I can go into this later, but I think that sometimes you can get a book that's like really well written, that's plots and characters are terrible. And there's where you get some classic literature that's not Song of Solomon, but some other ones that are not. The people are just have such a hard time reading. It's like, oh, the writing might be really fantastic. Maybe like Anna Karenina or, yeah. or um, uh, Heart of Darkness. Heart of Darkness. <laughs> or we've got, um, you've got any of those classic British literature people. Um, you've got... Uh, Wuthering Heights. Wuthering would Heights. Be one of those. Uh, you've got Great Expectations, Charles Dickens, stuff like that. So it's just sometimes, especially because nowadays our culture, we don't, like, we don't talk like that anymore. We don't think that way anymore. It, mm-hmm. Like, writing was such a... It was like an art form. I mean, mm-hmm. it still is. But it was a an art form of, of a way to express yourself and be so eloquent and, and particular mm-hmm. about every word you're using. Yeah, so and the writing itself is so beautiful, but the it's writing, like... Yeah, the writing itself is so beautiful. And some about, people just give yeah. up yeah. because they can't follow along with the plot or they don't understand or there's too many characters. So Anna Karenina is a too many characters book. We love that book, by the way, though. We yes. love Anna Karenina. Um, but it's just, it's one of those things where if you look, if you're able to get into that mindset and be like, okay, I might not understand every single word or like adjective that they're using to describe whatever. Um, if you're able to look past that, there are beautiful characters and beautiful plot stories that makes them the like classics. Um, but you know, there's quite a few modern examples of this nowadays as well. One of our absolute favorites is Harry Potter. <laughs> I love Harry Potter. Um, now, I do also just want to point out again about Toni Morrison. I think what I love about Song of Solomon, and I talk to Mrs. Rayford about this a lot. Um, which is just that she pushes the envelope a lot in all of her writing. She's just like, hmm, is this a hot topic right now? Yes. Let me put it in my books. Mm -hmm. And so that's what I think is really beautiful. She just kind of like unapologetically is like, hey, I'm going to write this book about this black man and I'm going to write this book about this family and this girl and all this stuff and write all these beautiful things about it and just unapologetically just does it and it is fantastic. Um, but yeah, so Harry Potter, this is, I mean, anybody can look at Harry Potter and be like, oh my gosh, that book series obviously stands out and it's phenomenal. And I mean, you can put Harry Potter like next to things like Lord of the Rings is really successful. Game of Thrones is really successful. Those kinds of books are really, really successful. But Harry Potter, I think honestly stands out among the rest. Um, I mean, Lord of the Rings obviously has had a really big following, and so has Game of Thrones, but nothing has had a following quite like Harry Potter. I don't know. I feel like, I feel like Lord of the Rings is up there. It, oh, it definitely is. I feel like there's something, though, about... Magical. Well, they're both... Well, all, <laughs> three, of them, all three of them are, like, fantasy worlds, kind of. Um, they all have, like magical creatures or magical things that are happening um mystical things you know it's it's so it it transports you to a different place i think the thing for me about harry potter that stands out over the other two um not that i don't love the other series is because i i think that they they are well done and that they deserve all the credit and attention that they receive um, but personally with Harry Potter, the thing that I think that makes them 
makes those books a great series or just even books in general um, is the way that we are introduced to the characters and the world itself. Mm. Because in the other two, and we could say this for quite a few other, um, even like young adult fantasy fiction novels, you're thrown into the world yeah. before you even really know what, what it's yeah. about. Or I mean, like with Harry, you you get introduced to the world as Harry does. Yeah. You're able to you're he because he doesn't know. Spoiler if you don't know. Harry, Harry doesn't know. He doesn't know at the beginning of the books that he is a wizard. He doesn't know anything about his history, who he is to other wizarding people. And um it's just so so beautiful and so fun because Harry's asking the questions that you're asking like, "Wait, what's you know what's this why like oh i have to i get to have a wand that's cool or like or or who is who is so and so or all this stuff and he's like asking all these questions and people are like you don't know oh my gosh like things that are so obvious Mm -hmm. to other people he is learning with you as the reader and to, I, to be frank, though, um, Harry Potter is also specifically written towards younger, younger people, younger yep. audience. So it would make more sense to introduce the world like this. Yeah, but it still is like I we we read them every single year, and so it still it is helpful to have a a writer who introduces the world as the character is introduced to. And as I well. feel like that is a nod to her um, capabilities as a writer. So in my mind, that covers that. Out of the three categories, it ticks off for sure the good writing. And we can go on and on about how much we love the characters, but just take our word for it for now. Characters are so well written. I think even because of how well the writing is. like, Yeah, and they, they feel like real people. Exactly. And obviously the plot is super creative and original. And so some those are some of the reasons why that's like a, a modern example for us as to for I mean I guess for me Mm -hmm. those three categories that really for me make a good book I also do think though with going back to comparing like Harry Potter with like Lord of the Rings and like Game of Thrones that are very similar um Harry Potter was kind of like the first of its kind to like write like a long in-depth like long series of these different people i mean like you i mean obviously lord of the rings existed far before harry potter um but i think the fact that just like the writing was specifically a little bit easier to read yeah tailored towards a younger audience and i think that shows the modernization of mm-hmm. like it's kind of like she has the elements of a classic novel but with modern language yes which i think makes it so easy and so um i never thought about that way yeah so yeah. it's so accessible and so easy to connect with, too. Yeah. So we could go on and on about Harry Potter, so we are just going to stop for now. <laughs> stop. <laughs> um, but I, I do want to point out, though, some of my favorite books, and we're going to get into this in a different podcast. Some of my favorite books have been not from series. They've just mm-hmm. been standalones. Yep. Um, and they are very similar to how we talked about before with Taylor Jenkins Reid's The Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo. Something or it's like a full, full person story. A full person's life. I yep. think because there's a yeah. conclusion there too. Yes, you don't feel like you're you're wondering what has happened to this person or yep. whatnot. And I think I'm not sure if I said this before, but I think what's so beautiful about those is when we're in the midst of our lives, what's going on can be really hard and really difficult to get through. 
Um, or the really nice things might be so great and we have these rose-colored glasses about them. Um, but we don't actually see the full, it's hard to take like a couple steps away from our own lives because we're in the middle of living them right now. With something like The Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo or any book that kind of is a faux memoir of someone's life, you get to see this like step back view. Like, I mean, you can't see the, you can't see the trees if you're too, or you can't see the forest if you're too close to the trees. Kind of being able to see this overall theme of someone's life of, oh, I understand why this difficult thing happened earlier in the book because look at where this person is now. And it's easy yeah. to come to these conclusions when it's over the course of like a 400, 500 page book versus like your own life of why did this hard thing happen to me? Oh, I might not find out for several years. So would you say that maybe a category for you that isn't one of the three would maybe be like a good book would include maybe the telling of more than just a little bit of time of someone's life? Like, like would, um, would like covering a larger span of time be maybe a category for you for like a good book? Not necessarily. I definitely think if something's like, ah, oh, this book spans an entire generation of people or it talks about someone's family legacy and it goes over years and years, I think that will definitely stick out to me. Um, but I think the reason I love these books is the thematic things that we learn from it. What, are, what am I taking away from this book? I think when I read a book, I want to know what am I learning from this? Like what benefit is there from reading this book? What have I, what, so that would be a category for you. Yeah. Themes. Like what can I take like from it? The theme and like what I take from this book. Like, I honestly think you should read every book to become a better person than you were before you read it because there's this deeper sense of empathy once you read a book. It's like being able to meet a thousand different people who have a thousand different stories. And then thus in real life, you will now be able to, Hey, like now I can relate to this kind of person because despite the fact that I didn't meet someone like this, I have read a book that had these inner thoughts of, yeah. of someone that now I feel like I know them intimately. Very true. Very true. And I, I think the, the one book that really stuck out to me about that last year was um, Hearts Invisible Furies by John Boyne. Um, that's my all-time favorite book currently. Um, I <laughs> have been able to pick one, unlike many other uh, readers. Um, but that's just one of those books that it goes over his entire life. I think we, we alluded to it in the last episode, but it goes over, um, his life from year seven to 70. Um, and it goes every seven years. So there's like a giant, um, section. It's not even split into like split into like tiny chapters, but there's a giant section when he's seven, then a section when he's 14 then 21, 28, whatever going up. I forgot my math. <laughs> okay. Well, I don't know what's next. It's a 30 something, 30. Eight? No, it's not. No. What is it? 28 plus 7. Plus 7 is 35. There it is. <laughs> I can't do math anymore. Um, but I think that that, and all the way up to when he's 70 years old, so like there will there were moments where, um, I also think an element of surprise or expectation, which has to do with plot, is really important. Yeah, like a good twist or yeah. something that's unexpected will really, because I think, and a good author... Um, a good author is going to know when those spots are needed in the storyline because, like, there have been a few times where I've been reading a book and been like, okay, like, it's kind of starting to drag, and then boom, like, something will happen. And mm -hmm. it's like, that author knew that I, as a reader, I was going to need something at this moment to keep me going or, or, or throw me off a little bit. Like, it, it's just, the I, it all really comes back to, for me, is like, 
how well the writer is in tune with their own story, with the characters, and with the reader, who, how the reader is going to um, experience their their world and, and their um, work. So I definitely agree with having some form of plot twist or something that is going to throw you off a little bit or, or take you by surprise. Um, because life is full of different surprises and the things you don't expect. And I think it's fun to read a novel and, and, and see a little bit of maybe yourself in a character or, or be like, oh yeah, I've had, you know, something relatable. Like you're like, oh yeah, something has taken me off guard like that before or mm-hmm. whatnot. And I think those are, those are some of the elements that really make a book stick out. And I know in my mind and I'm, I'm sure in Maddie's as well. Yeah. So I think just to, I guess, sum up our thoughts as to what we've kind of talked about so far is just like we, the books that stand out to us the most, or we would consider are a good book, um, would be just good writing mm-hmm. first and foremost. I think that's my number one for I sure. I think so too, because good writing is going to affect all Everything. the other categories mm-hmm. that, that we've kind of already mentioned. Um, if the writer doesn't know who their characters are, if they don't know where the story's going, if they don't know what, like, what their purpose of actually writing the story is, then you can tell. Like, there mm-hmm. have been series that we've read where it's like, I don't think this author at the start of the series or, like, the first or second book knew how it was going to end or knew like how what, to tie yeah. it all together. And you can tell that. So, honestly, like, trying to figure out if an author is good or not, can take some trial and error. Also, you know, you can use my book blog, Brook and Binding. I've got lots of different authors on there. Um, like Goodreads, not a sponsor. Barnes & Noble, not, not a, a sponsor. sponsor. <laughs> like just even asking around and, and people's people's reputations will stand up for oh, themselves. Yeah. I mean, we have authors now that we absolutely love their writing. And so whenever their books come out, we're like, we know we can depend on this author. Even yep. if maybe like, ooh, this wasn't the best one that they have like we're we'll still like go back as like loyal fans because like we know what they're capable of exactly so good writing is like that big umbrella i think yeah i mean it's and it's also it's called being a writer it's not a plotter not a character it's character character (laughs) it's a writer so like it's that's gonna it's the umbrella that everything else sits under yep um, but definitely, I mean, you need to have a good plot as well. Yep. And that includes a plot twist if includes that's what makes sense for it your includes, book. includes, you know... Actually, I think all books should have plot twists. Yeah, it also <laughs> includes covering potentially a, a, a span of someone's life, but not always. Like, some some really, like, good thrillers can cover, like, a day or mm-hmm. a weekend. And you are just so captivated because it's, you know, happened in two yeah. days. All this crazy stuff's been happening yeah, or whatever. And, and it feels like a thriller too is just kind of like, it's a separate thing from other books in the terms of like, I don't go to a thriller like, what can I learn about the world yeah. in this? But it's like, this, that's how more can of an entertain entertainment. Me? Yep, yeah. How can it entertain me? But if it's a book that's about to be about your, like the thematic things about life, like what am I supposed to learn? I think personally it's best if it goes over a span of time. Yeah, definitely. So the plot. Mm-hmm. And, and then yeah and, and then, then and characters characters also if they don't feel relatable or if or there have been times where i'm reading and i'm like what that character just did didn't make sense or like mm-hmm. i can't connect with them very well or or like if if they don't feel like real people you're not going to be able to connect with them on your a personal level or actually feel like the story is believable or truthful mm-hmm. 
So it, yeah, and I think one of the most unfortunate things too is sometimes books are written towards a specific audience. Yeah. Um, and so sometimes there can be a really well written book that gets all these rave reviews, but if you're not the audience the author is writing to, you're not going to understand it. You're not going to relate to the characters in yeah. a way somebody else would. Yeah. So that doesn't mean it's not a good book. Doesn't mm-hmm. mean that the writer did a bad job, but there are some authors that have like a little niche, like they have a a style that they love people that they know are gonna be drawn to that storyline or that plot or or that fancy world maybe Mm -hmm. or whatever um and that that's not always for everybody but they know that i think they're okay with that and they're okay with that but there are a lot of authors out there like especially in like our our just broad fiction or literature um genre that honestly anyone can connect with you know it, it doesn't matter if you've gone through a similar situation or not like you feel you feel connected to them yeah and I, and those are some of my favorite books it's like what I talked about well when I brought up Song of Solomon um that's a book that stands out to me because a it was a book I never would have read on my own not really your not really it's the not audience. really the audience she's I mean I'm a white person so <laughs> Like, I know it, that sounds silly, but, like, I, I, it's not, like, she wasn't necessarily writing towards me, I don't think. Um, and it's based in the South, and I don't live in the South. It's, you know, there's lots of different things. Um, situations that I ha- would never have have experienced before. Um, I'm not a guy either. It's a guy's yeah. perspective. You know, there's so many different things. But... Um, I was because I was forced to read it essentially. I was able to dive into a world that I wouldn't have experienced before. Mm-hmm. And I think that's just so so unique and so cool. And I do think she writes it in such a way that although like you can tell that she has a specific audience in mind, she also writes it in a way that everyone can relate and it's one of those books that you get this empathetic of like yeah. oh I finally like I kind of get what you mean when you say this. I kind of get what they mean when like they talk about like the things in the south were such an issue yeah because you dive into these people's worlds and like i said before like it's unapologetically raw um and those kinds of books those are the ones that like leave you walking away and saying like wow like that was good yep definitely so again a lot of authors whether they're writing to a specific audience or not can touch lots of other people's lives but there are again like i said quite a few authors where they know their reader they know not everyone's going to read them, but, you know, I think a lot of times it's like the fantasy fiction yeah. world. And those people, I mean, they take the write the book you want to read thing seriously. Yeah. And if that's, if that's what they want to do, that's what they want to do. I definitely know that some of my books that I write, like no one else would really want to read them except for specific people. Um, and it, But if that's the book that comes to you, then it is. Yeah. Uh, so now, so we kind of talk about books that we've read in the past that we have enjoyed and would say are good books like what what makes a good book like so i guess how do we know that these books are gonna be good books a lot of times we kind of just stumbled upon them but maddie has a little theory that we will talk about after this hey if you ever want to read more of our reviews specifically Haley's, you can follow her book blog at brookandbinding.wordpress.com or at brookandbinding on her instagram that's b-r-o- O K E A N D B A N D I N G. Okay, so here's the thing. We talk about these great books that we have already read, but how do we actually figure out 
if the books we're going to read are good ones or not. I mean, we have read so many, so many books and they're not all good. That's true. And we will get into that on a different podcast, some of our least favorite books. But I mean, how can you prevent that from happening? Yeah. So Maddie thinks she has this theory. It's a perfect theory. Okay. Maddie thinks she has this theory that I don't necessarily agree with 100%, but that's okay. And um, so she's going to share a little bit about why she thinks that this is like a foolproof way to make sure that... Okay, well, whatever. A foolproof (laughs) way to make sure that you are going to read some good books. Okay, because it doesn't actually have to do with the book itself. I mean, it does. What? What? Um, and it doesn't really have to do uh, with like the characters or the plot or the, anything like that. But I what? Think, what? Any of the things we've just talked about are irrelevant? <laughs> I think the perfect way to guarantee that every book you read is good, or at least a certain genre or a certain group of books are good, is the order that you read them. Um, so... I was thinking about this as I just finished the book Salt to the Sea, which I talked about in the last podcast briefly. It was absolutely beautiful. I loved it dearly. Um, I read it super fast and I finished it on Monday um, and I absolutely loved it. And as I was going on Goodreads saying that I had finished reading it, I realized that I had also also put another one of the author's books on my to read. It's called Between Shades of Grey. And I just clicked and read about it, and I realized that it actually had to do with a character's cousin in Salt to the Sea. So there is a connection. There's a connection. They're not part of a series. Like, you don't have to read. Like, it's not like number one and number two, but they're connected in a specific way. Um, And Between Shades of Grey came out before Salt to the Sea. And so as I was thinking about this, I was talking to Haley while we were going on a walk the other day, um, and I was thinking about the fact that I was absolutely enthralled by Salt to the Sea. But now I was nervous that when I get to read Between Shades of Grey, because of course I will, because it was beautiful. Um, When I get to read it, will it live up to my standards of Salt to the Sea because Between Shades of Grey came out first? So maybe lay out your theory. The theory. Flat out for everybody. The theory is... If there is a well-known author or like a well-known book or something like that, like it's really popular book or it's supposed to be a very popular book of a good author or something like that, you should read the author's very first work or very first work within that specific type of genre first before you read anything else because theoretically writing improves over time, correct? Can we, can we agree that writing for the most part will, will improve over time? Maybe. Yes, I think. I think in some ways, like yes. Actual because it's writing. more practice. Yeah, you practice. More practice. More. Nothing about the plot, nothing about the characters, but the actual act of how this sentence was structured together, how this... The technicalities. Par- the technicalities of it, of not using the word said every single time. Or, because yeah. they're, you know, they if they've written a few books, their newest book, you know, they've, they've turned in plenty of copies of uh, manuscripts that have been edited and you know so they're probably not making the same mistakes Mm -hmm. over and over again anymore they're learning from those things and um yeah so I I guess in that sense I could say yes so theoretically writing improves over time 
So I feel like I'm doing like an ad absurdum argument for philosophy or something like that. Mm-hmm. So if we say that, <laughs> if we say that writing improves over time, um, Dr. A would be so proud. Um, okay. So if we say that writing improves over time and we were talking about earlier that the writing is really what matters the most because the writing is what makes the plots up. The writing is what makes the characters like we're not a, you're not a plotter, you're not a character or you're a writer. If those are, if like the writing is the actual meat that really matters the most and you know that a book, regardless of, actually I'll get into that in a second, but if there's an author with several pieces of writing, kind of like maybe like Kristen Hanna, she's got several books, you should start with the earliest book because in theory, the writing will get better over time. And so if the writing even takes up, say we're saying writing and plot are the two most important if the writing it is even 50% of what makes the book good, if you know that writing improves, so that 50%, that half of what makes a book good will improve with the next one, then you should read them retroactively so that you always know the next book is going to get even a little bit better because the writing. Even if the plot sucks, you'll know that the writing is always going to be better. That's it. That's my theory. If that makes any sense. Makes sense, but... But Haley's going to refute it with evidence. I think... A downfall... Of that theory... Is sometimes... Not always... But sometimes... The more an author writes... The more that they have to come up with different plots and stories and new characters and you know that's not necessarily bad because it can push an author in a direction that maybe they didn't know they had in them you know these maybe darker sides or who knows like different parts of them that that didn't come as naturally as maybe their first or second book um but the thing that I love about maybe like the first or second book of an author is the rawness of those books the the what do you mean by rawness i mean like i feel like the more an author writes the more um the more i like what you're saying it's it's gonna be better writing Mm -hmm. there's gonna be a nice pretty bow on top but um, i think what makes those earlier books the best is that they're not like tied up in those nice bows that yes it's gonna be maybe better writing not so many mistakes or whatever but I think what makes those earlier books so special is the fact that they have a few rough edges or maybe it it doesn't all end perfectly or whatnot and I think that's what makes those authors stand out a ton and then they're gonna get publicity and then from the publicity they're gonna be like oh I need to write more and then maybe the more that they write there's that pressure of like Mm. I gotta pump out something good and it, it's not coming from the heart. A, the, a heart. It's oh. not coming from their, from like. Like what they genuinely want to write about. They're yeah. like trying to make it interesting. Yeah. Like, okay. like as a writer yourself, Matt, I know you've written a few books, but um, the one you've been working on this summer, the one that I read for you. Which um, you loved. Which I really liked. You can read It was the something, review. it was like, it's like a, kind of like a love, like, it's like a, a, a love letter to people. Like it's your heart being mm-hmm. poured out. And I feel like that book is going to have something so special that your books in the future, however many you write, 
it's just not going to have that same element. Yes, there's, I mean, that doesn't mean that authors are one trick ponies. That's not what I'm saying. Authors but I are feel one like, trick ponies. That's what she's <laughs> saying. But <laughs> I, I really feel like unless they ignore everybody else and just write for themselves. Yeah. It won't be as good. Yeah, I, I think so. And, and so, for example, I have two authors in particular that I'm thinking of when I talk about how the first books um, maybe are more genuine or feel better than uh, a third or the third or fourth or however many. I was actually let down by this new one that she wrote this summer called Nine Perfect Strangers because I loved like her earlier works. She's written so many, but um, The Husband's Secret and Big Little Eyes are some of her older ones. And then Truly Madly Guilty is a newer one, and so is The Nine Perfect Strangers. And honestly, I loved The Husband's Secret and Big Little Eyes way better than Truly Madly Guilty and Nine Perfect Strangers. Because again, although those ones weren't her first novels, and I haven't had a chance to read uh, that one in particular, but I don't know. There's just something about maybe like maybe authors feel the pressure to pump out something and they're like trying to better themselves or or best themselves, which isn't a bad thing. But also, I think when you're looking at your works as like one has to up the other, you're you're not not really loving your work. You're not loving them as individual pieces. Does that make sense? Yeah. And like. And it's, I, I can get what you're saying. I, I really get what you're saying because like the new ones are always going to be like the rawest and truest to yourself and the to what ones. you want to write. I mean, sorry, the old ones will be the truest to yourself and like what you want to write while the new ones, you have this pressure to make an interesting story. But I will say from a writer's perspective, you love the raw stuff, the stuff that's maybe like not like tied up with a neat little bow or like let you at least like. I think the good word with raw would be like kind of like endings that make you think. I think newer books kind of you're expected to have everything like make sense in the end without thought for, oh, what actually like more that happens or like with less open-ended endings. But I think, and then as writers go on, they maybe write those like close endings. Um, As a writer myself, I think why writers tend to do that is... I think that the writers are honestly like trying to be trying when they try and get better like they're not thinking about they're losing maybe that raw normal passion from like a story that came deep inside like the the things that they wanted to get down pen to paper as quickly as possible but they're thinking about wow look at me I'm growing as a writer like as I know for myself like with every new idea or every new book I write I'm like this is it this is the new best one yeah like the book that I ha- that Haley read this summer it was actually my third book that I've actually fully completely wrote, and I think it is my greatest work. Yeah, because I think the writing is superb, even though it was not the very first story that I wanted to put out and the very first thing I wanted to lay out on my heart. It came to be something that meant so much to me that I wanted to write it out. I think maybe with more successful authors, they definitely feel the pressure. But if you're just someone who maybe hasn't caught your big break yet. I think I think that my theory still holds true that if they're maybe not writing for the pressure of people, the newer, the older works, just strictly based on writing style alone, would be the ones you want to start with, so that you're not disappointing yourself by going back and reading something that's not as well written. 
Yes, and I, and I could, and I agree with that for sure. I also want to clarify that I'm also talking about two authors that don't write series. Like these are all standalones. Mm-hmm. Um, another podcast we were talking about is comparing standalones with series and that middle book syndrome that can happen. Um, but taking series out of it, I'm I'm looking at individual works by individual author or yeah by individual authors I guess <laughs> um and not as like a story that they're trying to tell over multiple books these are like stories that should start and end within one, one book. book exactly mm-hmm. and I feel like uh you had a a really good example of this in your own life too with um Chris and Hannah if you mm-hmm. want to share that real quick yeah so I um I actually like had the situation that Haley had with Kristen Hanna in which I actually read Kristen Hanna's newest book, The Great Alone, before I read The Nightingale. Um, and so this is the kind of thing that kind of contradicts my own theory, which I still think is a good theory, but Kristen Hanna has several books. She's very well known. So I and think these she, weren't, this wasn't like her very first, not book. her very first. I think it's honestly, I think The Nightingale is her like most recent besides Great Alone. So I read yeah. Great Alone first, and then I read Nightingale, and I loved Nightingale so much that I actually told Haley, read Great Alone first. So then I wasn't disappointed, <laughs> disappointed if I read Nightingale read and then Great Alone. Great Alone. So, um, so it, supporting my supporting theory. Supporting Haley's theory. <laughs> but again, it goes into the whole, like, is it the pressure concept? If you, yeah. could, if you went back, Kristen Hanna has so many books. If you went back and read Kristen Hanna's other books before she caught, like, her big break, would it be a better to read the books in order from oldest to newest? And again, my basis has never been on, my like theory has never been on the basis of like plot wise. It's always been like the writing will be, it will be better yeah. in my opinion. And by better, I mean as a writer, like as a writer, you want to not leave open-ended ending yeah. things. You want yeah. things to make sense. But again, when that starts to happen, you lose like this genuine like when you want to write something down you're like oh my this is so passionate for me like I want to write this down like this idea like this idea might make literally zero sense but it might be so full of passion that the reader can pick up on it but then as a writer improves and a writer wants to improve you know that loss of passion might happen and and then therefore maybe the thing that sparked the desire in the reader doesn't sit there anymore yeah because it's like oh what was that story about again and like oh yeah some action happened and then everyone was okay or yeah or and then it kind of you know I I think for me some of my favorite books are when the endings like not necessarily are always open-ended but like you are literally reading until the last page and Mm -hmm. you're like hyped up and like what's gonna happen oh my gosh Mm -hmm. Um, and it doesn't close it doesn't close every single like character plot line yeah yeah like focus on the main one if there you go yeah and so those are some of my favorites I feel like sometimes with these newer books like with Leanne and with Ruth that I was talking about they do have that pretty bow on top where it seems like everyone concludes and then it feels like you're ending like huh Mm -hmm. like it's like oh okay okay and like you like it's like it kind of leaves you wanting more see I I was gonna say the opposite it doesn't leave you wanting any more at all because it's like there I just laid it all out for you no I, I guess it it leaves you wanting more in a way of like Oh, you oh, want like, to speculate more. Yeah, like, I, I wish she would have done this. Or it, it leaves you not yeah. feeling 100% satisfied. Because although they, I guess, completed like, everything. It, it feels incomplete because it, you, it, it kind of just ended. I don't know. Even if they take time, 
maybe like the last 10, 20 pages to conclude. It's it just, kind of is like, yeah. what, what's why, the why point did you of, waste yeah, pages, why am I, yeah. why am I reading about all of this? Mm-hmm. Like why? Like what's the point of it? I definitely felt that was truly madly guilty. Yeah. Because it's like, like, oh, the action and the excitement is over. Happened like maybe a Why little over halfway through. And then it was and just you're like, like what is lives. what is the rest of this about? So that's just my own theory, honestly. Honestly, I really like Haley's theory. <laughs> I've switched you to my side. Oh, gosh. But you can't switch me on everything, that's Cersei. True. Whatever. So I just want to say thank you guys so much for listening to this podcast of what makes a good book. As you can see, we are still trying to figure out what all of those things are, but um, please share this podcast with other book lovers or other people that you think would be interested or people who are wanting to get into reading. Um, we are now on Spotify, so please check us out, Lit Sis. Anything else? Um, Sis? <laughs> Um, I, I don't really have much else. Um, also if you're not even into reading and you're listening to this, thank you. Yeah. Um, I hope we get you into reading. Um, shout out to our dad. He wanted us to shout out to him. So shout out to him. Hi dad. Hi dad. This last section is brought to you by the roar of my vehicle. All right, Haley. So what are you reading right now? So I literally have probably 20 pages of a reaper at the gate still um but i'm planning on finishing that and we'll be starting the narnia series by c.s lewis narnia how many books are in that series i have no clue seven eight on it's a lot it's like it's like (laughs) it's at somewhere between seven and nine i think it's somewhere in that range and i've I've already done the research of, like, which order I should read them in because there's a lot of controversy controversy with uh, the order because versus, like, the chronological order of the story versus mm. how they were published. So it's a Star Wars kind of thing. It's a Star Wars kind of thing. So saying sure. that you should read 4, 5, 6 before you read 1, 2, 3 kind of. Yeah, but, but like, 2, 1, 7, 6, oh, what 3. what the heck? Yeah. So, but I've heard that the order of how they were published is how you should read them the first time. So that's what I'm going to do. And they're each about 200 pages or so. Not planning on getting them all done before the new year, which is going to be really good for me because I think I need to just try my best and know that if it bleeds into this next year, that's okay. And it's not the end of the world. Haley's learning how to try her best, not be (laughs) the best. Yes. Challenging. (laughs) But, yeah, so Narnia, my first time reading them, and I'm excited. What about you, sis? Well, I actually, so I finished Salt of the Sea, which I talked about earlier, and then I actually read another book. What? What? <laughs> what? Um, I read Everything I Never Told You by Celeste Ng, which I really enjoyed. Um, it was very good, very deep. Um, and then now I'm actually just starting a book called Madonna of the Mountains Ooh. by Elise something. It's like... I was reading, it was like Var, Var, Var Morbido, Var, Varmobida. It's like an Italian last name. I remember Morbid is in there, I think, or something like that. <laughs> well, anyway. hopefully the story isn't a reflection oh, of the last name. Hopefully it's not. It's, um, so it's one of those uh, books that goes throughout someone's entire like life or their family legacy. So this one goes from about, I think, 1928 to 1950, um, chronologi- chrono- chronicling, chronicling. Um, Italy and this family, um, it's 
spe- specifically this one girl, um, woman, I guess she's like 25 right now, um, throughout like World War II and the fascist regime there. So I am very excited. I love World War II stuff. That's all I've been reading lately. Obviously. Um, yeah, obviously. And so I'm really looking forward to it. And you know what I found out early today? What? That um, Between Shades of Grey, which is the that, the book that uh-huh. I talked about, how it was The Salt of the Sea, the book that came out before it, connected with that cousin, that book is a movie. It's becoming really? a movie. Like, it's coming out. It's either just came out or it's, like, coming out, like, on Christmas or something. But it's they changed the title so they would not get confused with Fifty Shades of Grey. Uh-huh. Um, and it's called Ashes in the Snow. Ooh. And I watched the trailer for it this morning, and I am honestly really excited, and I just, I want to go to Eastern Europe now, just saying. Well, sounds like you need to try to pump that book out, too, before you go see it. But I know. Hey, you don't have to be the best, just do your best. <laughs> Even if thank it means you wait until the new year to start it. Wow, Buck, thank you so much. <laughs> You're welcome. Just felt so inspired to share some wisdom. To my little sister. Oh my gosh. Oh yeah, for those who don't know, Haley's older than me. Yeah, I am the younger one, which uh, you would never tell if you looked at the two of us. <laughs> thanks. Anyway, uh, thanks for taking a break from reading with us. Uh, now go flip some pages. So take like 17 talking about Ruth Ware. I'll go from there. <laughs> I'll, I'll figure out all the editing later. Okay. going is too loud so Haley, what are you reading right now well i'm still reading narnia but i also actually started a new book today Ooh. it's called the sinner by petra hemsfar i'm not sure how to say that she in the german, german but hemsfar something i don't like know that. i don't know but yeah i really like it so far and um, since Narnia is so long and there's lots of little books, I thought I could throw in a big book in there too. So you're breaking your Harry Potter rule but yes, with Narnia. Exactly. Good to see. Yes. What about you? I am reading The Seven and a Half Deaths of Evelyn Hardcastle, which I actually learned in the original British publishing. It is the seven deaths, not seven and a half, but the kind I, the one I have says seven and a half. Interesting. Interesting. It's also a large print edition, so it's like 600 pages long. Um, but it's really good so far. It's, um, it's an, a book that I've never really, like, I never really thought I could ever even consider the concept of, but it's like this party celebrating this girl who ends up dying at the end of it every single night and you're trying to figure out who who kills her by this one guy going into different hosts of the party's body yeah. every single day trying to find out more information it's so interesting that's really cool uh i didn't say but the center was made into a tv show on usa Ooh. channel um and it's also on netflix but it's about this lady who commits a murder in broad daylight and it's like kind of a cut and dry yep she did it but no one really knows the motive behind it and so Ooh. that's like this one lawyer i think or policeman is like i want to get to the bottom of this like what was going on in her brain so Ooh, real excited so good mm-hmm. all right awesome well thanks for taking a break from reading now go flip some pages <laughs> 